And welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He, as always, is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. The NFL draft has come and gone, George. The speculation, the, the wonderment of not only who the Colts will take a quarterback, but also how they will fill out the rest of the roster. Now we can finally start talking about actual names and fits going forward. It was a very, very busy weekend for the Colts, for Chris Ballard, for, for you, especially, George. 12 picks. 12 picks the Colts made Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Massive, massive draft class that we are now reacting to. So to start the pod simply, George, with so many names that we're going to get into, and so many different positions and, and, and storylines, simply to sum up what we saw the last three days for the Colts draft, if you had to use one word to describe this 2023 draft haul, what word would you, uh, what word would you use to describe it? Uh, traits, you know, I think that's the one that I would go with. It, it's something Chris Ballard has always looked for. Uh, I think of those 12 guys, all of them had an elite relative athletic score. If you're familiar with that number, uh, you know, something that takes guys, size, speed, athleticism, puts it all together and tries to give you one number on a scale of one to 10. All of them are on the elite level of that, which I think is eight and a half and above, um, or maybe it's even eight and above. And most of them were above nine and well above nine. I think 10 of the 12 were above nine. Uh, and the vast majority of those were above 9.5 or even 9.6. The first two picks were a 10 and a 9.99, if that gives you any idea of, of how athletic this group is. So uh, last year was very similar in that regard. I think the average of, of last year's class was even higher, but uh, there weren't 12 kids, so it's easier to have a little bit higher average. Um it was a very Chris Ballard draft in that regard. You know, I think they filled a lot of needs, um, but they did it with high ceiling, high athletic, high upside guys, which is, you know, pretty much the MO for this franchise. I like that word fit. Uh, excuse me. I like that word um, traits because you're 100% right. And really Anthony Richardson kind of set the tone, if you will, on Thursday night, because obviously that's a guy who is traits through the ceiling is the guy that everyone's kind of looking at it and projecting. We did an entire podcast. In case you missed it, make sure you check out the Blue Horseshoe podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We had an instant reaction to the Anthony Richardson pick right after Thursday. So in the feed there on YouTube as well is our reaction immediately to Anthony Richardson's pick there, number four. But you are right. You see that that kind of started the trend. And then through the rest of the draft on Friday in rounds two and three, and then especially all day Saturday, it was primarily traits. It was, okay, this guy has all the physical tools we need but it's still raw and we can kind of mold him into the kind of player that we want. And I like that, especially when you have 12 picks and you're basically, I mean, look, the draft is obviously an inexact science, right? If it was an exact science, everyone every year be nailing the nailing the picks and going and going forward here. But I like the fact that Chris Bout, if you are going to basically take 12 lottery tickets, which that's essentially what the draft is, and hope you hit on half, seven, eight of them. I like the fact that Ballard is kind of going in a similar route of, okay, physically, we know this guy has what it takes to succeed. I'm going to trust my coaching staff, starting with Shane Sykin, to develop the guys into the type of players we want here. I kind of like that. I like the fact you are taking a chance and banking on your coaching staff to develop all the guys and are taking raw talents. And if they hit, and even if half of them hit, we could see a really successful draft class like we saw back in 2018. You had Quentin Nelson, you had Shaq Leonard. You had uh, Braden Smith, and you did really, really well, especially late in that draft. I like the fact that throughout the entire three days, it was almost, uh, in a way, banking on the coaching staff and trusting the coaching staff to take these raw talents 
and make them into, you know, successful, useful players. I mean, we talked about it a lot, you know, throughout the the regular season last year and the early part of the offseason. The depth on this roster had really started to erode. Right. They needed a lot of players, quite frankly. You know, they needed to replace that depth. Uh, and I think there was a safety net here, too, in the sense that, they, yeah, there's high upside and, and everybody's taking a big risk in, in the draft no matter what they're doing. But these guys, especially the day three guys, a lot of them have proven special teams capability. So there is a little bit of a safety net and that you feel like if nothing else, these guys are going to be able to help us on special teams. And then if we get more out of them, then, you know, so much the better. I think that's a good mindset to have coming in and that the Colts talked about two or three things um, on draft day. And one of them was, you know, versatility, which you hear all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think the the biggest I think it was Morocco Brown. We talked to a lot of guys Saturday, and I've slept since then, so I'm not. <laughs> I, I, don't, I might be messing that up. But I think it was Morocco Brown, who's the chief personnel executive, who said they were looking for explosion. That that's they they felt like they had to get more explosive on both sides of the ball. And to your point about Anthony Richardson, they felt like the day one pick set that tone. Uh, and they just kept it up through, you know, throughout that. We talked about Richardson's sheer athleticism and, and you know, anybody who paid any attention to the draft process leading up to, uh, you know, this weekend, well aware of, of Anthony Richardson and <laughs> how high his ceiling is and, and what a freak he is athletically. Julius Brents is not far behind him in terms of just freak athleticism, a uh, 6'3 corner. And that's one of the things that, you know, Ballard said, I guess the one knock, the reason he's a 9.99 instead of a 10, you know, poor kid will have to live with that his whole life, but <laughs> find a way to, to move on is his, his 40 was in the four or five range, uh, which is, you know, a tad bit slow. I mean, it kind of cracks me up because you talk about four, four and four five and the difference in that, but you know, on the field, I guess it can be uh, quite a bit of difference, but he's thinking 10 hundredths of it or, you know, Ten tenths of it, one tenth of a second is not uh, really going to to affect that much. But you know, Ballard said when you're six three, it it covers some of that. You know, there's right. a different look for a quarterback, and and obviously, and it's I think he's got like thirty four and a half inch arms. Uh, you know, huge vertical, huge broad jump. That's what this draft is, guys. That they're not can't miss guys. I that's a label I think is is kind of not real anyway. I don't know if there ever is a can't miss guy. I mean, you know, we've seen everyone can miss, uh, but the the percentage of them hitting is so much higher just because you know there are certain things that they can do that very few people on this earth can do. Absolutely, and that's why, like I said, I think the risk is worth it for a lot of these guys because you're right. If you are able to hit, even on like half the draft guys we're talking about, even at six of the 12 – you are then, we're talking about guys that could really explode it to not only just solid, you know, starters, but legitimate, you know, top half of the league kind of guys at their position. And that's, I mean, you saw last year, George, that's what the Colts desperately need. Like they need guys, like you mentioned that you said the word explosion. There was not a lot of, and not to use the same word, but explosion. There's not a lot of playmaking really that we saw kind of lacking throughout the entire roster last year. So if you're able to get guys that, Bring that freak athletic ability. Able to, whether it's with their size, whether it's with their speed, whether it's with their athleticism, whatever kind of strength they have that separates them from the rest of the draft class, 
if you are able to kind of, like I said, hone in on that, you now bring a level of explosion athleticism that this team was missing for a lot of last year. Now you're able to, like I said, kind of elevate your team and get a lot of um, legitimate playmakers at different positions, which is, I think, that's what this team needs. And you know what I like too, George, to speak it and kind of going off your one word to summarize traits. I also like that it's risk, sure, because again, a lot of these guys, if you're banking on an upside, well, if they have the physical tools, we've seen plenty of physically imposing players not be able to figure out the mental part or the technique part, uh, or even just do the simple things and have them fail to the league, right? It's, it's never, as we know, anything but a sure thing in the draft. But what I like is, it's a calculated risk in the fact that, especially if you look at day three, some guys like Titus Leo out of Wagner, you're taking, you know, a risk with uh, at edge. Jake Witt, a very, very raw offensive tackle prospect out of Northern Michigan, who only started playing tackle, what, halfway through 2021 when he was a tight end and the coaches needed him to play tackle because the tackles were hurt and he was just on the uh, end of the line. As a Literally tight end. at halftime of a game. Yeah. All right, here, here's a New Jersey. Here's 65. You're going to go play right tackle in the second half here. Excuse me. You are getting guys that are still raw, but at positions where they can develop. You're not drafting Jake Witt in the seventh round, all of a sudden now having him compete and bank on him being your, you know, day one right tackle or your day one right guard. Like, you have positions where you still have, you know, starters solidified. You can have them develop. And in a year, two years, three years, have them, you know, take their time and be able to contribute to this team. Like that's a thing on the other end where if you go on traits a lot, right? If you draft on traits, you need them, you know, you need time for them to develop. And that's what I like for Chris Ballard in the sense that the Colts recognize this offseason where they are. And for the first time in a long time, they realize, hey, we are not one piece away from a playoff, you know, from a playoff race. We right now are nowhere near playoff contention. So we're going to, in a way, use that to our advantage and we're going to take a lot of guys that we think maybe in two or three years can pan out. But we're going to give them playing time now. We're going to put them in a position where we don't need them to contribute right away. If they need a year or two to develop, okay, have them develop for a year or two. If they need to play right away and get a lot of these lumps out on the field, okay, well, we can afford to lose a game because a guy like, let's just say, Darius Rush is, is young and experienced, is getting torched, and is still kind of learning his way, kind of trial by fire on the field. And it's going to result in an extra loss or two but down the road, it pays off. I like, for me, at least with these 12 picks, George, and to go on your point about traits, it feels like the Colts finally were able to truly identify, not will themselves or wish themselves saying, oh, we're a playoff team. We're just a Matt Ryan or a Carson Wentz away. They realized we're really not that close. 2022 is humbling. And we're going to use this 2023 season in a way, 2024 season as trial and see like who could play, who can. And I like that the fact that the Colts kind of mindset matches how they drafted. Yeah. And I, I think that's why ultimately I think Anthony Richardson will start week one because I think they are understanding that this is a long-term, you know, window. You're, you're not looking at, Hey, go. Obviously if you end up competing, if these young kids all hit in year one and, and they're all ready to go right out of the gate uh, and you can win the division, then, Hey, great. You know, no one's no one's not going into with the mindset of that as a possibility. But I think the understanding is, and even, you know, especially when Jim Irsay talked on Saturday, I think he said something along the lines of it's it's going to be more difficult than easy this year. You know, then there's going to be more bad than good. Um, and I think they 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 know that going in. So 
you heard a lot throughout the weekend, and they're not going to hand the job to Richardson. They've said that. They're not just going to say, hey, he's the number four overall pick, so let's just put him out there just to do it. But the way that you know Jim Irsay talked about, it's up to Shane Steichen. But in his mind, the only way guys get better is if they play. And then you talk to Shane Steichen, and he says, yeah, we've got to let it play out. He's got to earn it. But the only way you get better is if you play. That, to me, is them saying, hey, the sooner the better you know, the, that he gets out there. And I think it goes with that mindset that you're talking about. They're not sitting there thinking, let's play Gardner Minshew until we're out of playoff contention, and then we'll go take a look at the rookie. That's not going to be the mindset. Now, if Richardson's just not ready yet, or there's just some reason that they feel like it's better for him not to start, and the schedule may be in it. If you play the Patriots week one, you know, maybe you say, eh, let's not throw him to Bill Belichick, you know, right out of the gate. Let's go ahead and start Minshew. Um, but Aside from those kind of factors where there's and there will be things where you just maybe don't feel like it, it should happen right away. But I think if, if they get a a comfort level with him, uh, why not? Why not throw him out there right away? Let him make his mistakes. Let him learn on the field. Let him grow on the field. I, I think the biggest factor in that is the biggest worry you have. Well, what if you, you know, what if you shoot his confidence? What if you put him out there? And I just don't think it's going to happen with this kid. We haven't spent a lot of time with him, but I feel like he's mentally tough enough to understand, you know, that quote he had about Tom Brady, watching Tom Brady and understanding that here's a guy with seven rings who's still trying to get better every day. And I don't have any rings so I can get better. You know, I, I don't think he's going to be the type of kid that is ready to give up or is, you know, too down on himself. Um, and I think that if you have the right support stuff around him and, and you help him understand, Hey, there are going to be days and they're going to be serious, and there are going to be you know sections of, of this season that you're really not going to like, but it's all for the better. I, I think more often than not, that's the way to go. I'm always torn about this because, like, for example, last time we kind of saw this type of quarterback get drafted high was Trey Lance to the 49ers in 2021, and I know that they were in a way different place than where the Colts are right now. So if I guess my only concern is what you kind of said, confidence. I don't want to kill the kid's confidence. I don't want to put him in a situation where he's not ready and rushing him on the field is a detriment in the long term. Whether it's, you know, learning the playbook, learning the checks, if he's able to accomplish all that and has shown you, okay, he has a grasp of what to do and, and knows the plays, fine. Let's put him on the field week one and see what he's got. Because like we tried to talk about in previous podcasts, you do also want to find out what you have in Anthony Richardson sooner rather later so you can make a decision two, three years from now of, is he our guy going forward? Or should we pivot somewhere else? I think the, the quicker the Colts can answer that question, obviously the better off they will be in the long term in, in roster building and especially finding an answer at the most important position. But with that said, I I still would be surprised if he's playing week one. But I will say the Colts, I was surprised with how open the Colts were right away on draft night of him playing week number one. And like you mentioned, Shane Seikens' comments of you only get better when you play. I do buy that. I just do, I hope, and I don't think this is going to be the case, but I just hope that they're not rushing him on the field and truly are taking their time to where you are putting this kid in a position to succeed. And whether he, if that means only starting four games this year, so be it. If it means starting 17 games this year, so be it. Just do whatever it takes to make sure he is in the best position in 2024 and beyond to have a lot of success. And so, I mean, I would take it slow personally, but if the coaching staff feels he's good enough right now to start week one, and, you know, the best way for him to learn is just to go through the lumps. Fine. I'll sign up for that. And we talked about in years, uh, in years past, it feels like years 
with how you know long this offseason has been, George. But in previous podcasts, 2023 is just about finding, you know, is a building block, right? The, the wins and losses don't matter. It's truly about just feeling confident going in 2024 and beyond that you at least have a chance for this to be successful. And if you get that answer, I would feel great about that. Yeah, to me, I would call 2023 a success, whether that results in nine wins, whether it results in four wins. Mm-hmm. So if you just get an answer or at least have an idea going forward of what Anthony Richardson could be, uh, to me, that that is a win. And number of starts, I guess, wouldn't matter as much as more just the direction this team's going in. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I don't think they're going to rush him out there. I think they're going to – they've said they're going to make him earn it. Uh, you know, he's going to have to show a lot of things that you were talking about. He's going to have to show that that he's got, you know, good grasp of the offense and that he's able to command the huddle and that, you know, he's able to protect himself out there. You don't want to get in a situation where, you know, he's not – like if he doesn't have protections down and he's not reading a defense well enough in that regard, you don't want to throw him out there. Uh, but I think they're going to – I think they're rooting for him to be out there faster, uh, you know, rather than later. And it, it's, I don't know that that's even that controversial. It's the number four pick in the draft. You know, most people right. are going to put, put that guy out there. And then I think your second and third round picks to me are also very likely, very possibly week one starters. Uh, Julius Brents, I think it'll be a little bit of a disappointment if he's not starting in week one. Uh, you trade away Stephon Gilmore. We talked about how how thin that that depth chart was. The Colts obviously agreed. They drafted three of them. Yeah. Um, I think Brents is, you know, going to be favored to start. And Josh Downs will be an interesting look. I think he's a highly productive receiver. He's a slot guy. He's exactly what they needed. Uh, I don't know how long I've been talking, at least since Super Bowl on here, about the need to get those wiggly, you know, guys in space, the slippery kind of athletic guys that, that this team didn't, I think, have enough of. Josh Downs is that guy. Uh, and he also catches everything. Yes. From, from looking at 202 receptions or something like that in North Carolina. He's huge, huge number. Um, and I think you know, it's, it's between him and Isaiah McKenzie there. I mean, I'm not going to put a lot of pressure on him and say, oh, he's absolutely the slot guy from day one. But it's between him and Isaiah McKenzie in that role. Uh, and he's another guy that I think if if for some reason he didn't start day one, probably going to be returning kicks or punts. He's he's going to have some role and he'll be out there. Even if he's not the starter, he's going to be in the mix. He's going to come in and, and, you know, get some snaps. And then a the day three guys. I think it's about what we were just talking about. That's where the traits really come into play. A guy like Darius Rush. Maybe he is the fourth corner. Maybe he's a third corner. I don't know. Maybe he beats out one of the veterans that's already on the roster. But, you know, very similar to, to Juju Brents in terms of athletic profile. He's a little bit shorter. He's 6'2", maybe 6'1", but a little bit faster. And he ran a 4'3", 6'40", which is just insane. He might be the only guy in this class faster than the quarterback, which is saying something because the quarterback yeah. is pretty fast. Um, but, you know, it, it does he start – week one probably not but he's very much going to be in that that cornerback mix you know four or five somewhere in there we've seen them play four or five corners every year for that i can remember Mm -hmm. um you know you're always needing to go deeper into that he's going to be i think a big part of this blake freeland um we have talked a lot about him another explosive athlete a tackle i don't think that he's going to start i don't think the plan is for him to start but he's a swing tackle, and that was yep. a position of dire need 
Uh, and I think he's another guy, both tackles that they drafted, Freeland and, and Jake Witt, are similar to Bernard Raymond in the sense that they're raw, but there are obvious athletic skills here that, that should translate. Uh, and if you can develop them, all three of them could be pretty good eventually. And we saw Raymond do that during the year last year. You right. Know, by the end of the year, he was playing pretty good football. Now you want to see him take that next step up, but now you've got a guy right behind him kind of following in that same path uh, and, you know, playing that swing tackle. And we've seen it injuries. That guy ends up being really important, whether you want him to or not. Uh, out of Tommy wall out of Barry, uh, another impressive huge athlete. I'm trying to work on that one because that, that, that one's huge. I spelled it correctly without looking at it twice. On, oh, wow. On Saturday. And I, I about took a victory lap around the living room after that one, because <laughs> um, that that's, that's huge. But, um, you know, that, that's another guy we were talking about steals. There weren't very many people thought he was going to be there in the late fourth round, Uh Northwestern kid, uh, Really good interior pass rush. Probably going to start off as the backup to DeForest Buckner. But we've seen on that defensive line, they want to rotate in eight or nine guys. They've never quite gotten there. Uh, this gets them closer to that. And I think they won't be afraid to move him inside now, move him around, use him in different ways. Uh, I think it'd be interesting in some packages to have him replace Grover and be right next to DeForest Buckner and see what oh, can yeah. happen. You know, I think he's a guy who could contribute not as a starter, but could contribute a lot right away. Uh, and then going into the fifth round guys, you know, after rush, uh, I think Daniel Scott probably is going to start off on special teams first. He said this much. That's how he kind of grew at California. Uh, but safety, there's some opportunity there. Rodney McLeod's gone. He's going to have an opportunity to get on the field. And uh, Chris Bowers said he thought he maybe could. I think he tied for fourth in the Pac-12 this year with – three interceptions. So, you know, he's a ball hawk. Um, there's definitely a path for him to play right away. Will Mallory, Indiana football royalty <laughs> uh, with his grandpa, Bill, having, having coached IU, uh, probably the most lauded and celebrated coach at IU. His uncle, Kurt, is the coach right now at Indiana State. So he's going to walk in uh, with some familiarity with the state. And uh, they really like him. You know, he's a guy they didn't need a tight end. They had a lot of depth at that position. Uh, they just felt like Will Mallory was too good to pass up. I think he had 14 touchdown receptions at Miami, which I think I heard actually ties the record for, for a tight end there, which is interesting considering the tight ends that came through that school. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jeremy Shockey, Kellen Winslow just recently. Um, that's that's a number that, that really sticks out to me. But another guy with a lot of speed, uh, they feel like a really, really good pass catcher. So, He's going to have to earn his role because that's a deep room, but he's one to watch. So I think they like him a lot more than, than you might expect for where he went. And then Evan Hall out of Northwestern, highly productive running back uh, and catches the ball out of the backfield. I think you look at him and, and you think Deion Jackson. I mean, that to me is, is the role. Um, and we'll see, you know, he's going to have to compete for playing time, but he's another guy should be on special teams. Uh, and I think they feel like they feel really good about where he could go in the future and then those last three guys on, you know, at the end of the draft, Titus Leo came out of nowhere, right? I mean, uh, could be the only guy on the position who's or on the roster whose last name is also his position. <laughs> that's See how true. that works out for him. Uh, but that's I mean, what you're looking there is a speedy guy off the edge, which they thought they needed, uh, who can maybe help out with that pass rush. 
We know that, you know, right now going in, it, that's Pei, Odangbo, uh, Sam, Samson Ebukam, and then probably Taekwon Lewis is going to be in that mix. So you throw Titus Leo in there, another one of these guys in that eight to nine rotation. But I think he's a perfect guy to, to what you're talking about earlier. If it takes a year or two, if he's maybe just on kick coverage for a while, so be it. You know, but if that comes along and you you end up with a guy who can be a part of that rotation in the sixth round, and I think in the compensatory part of the sixth round as well, uh, that's a pretty good pick. You're going to feel pretty good about that. And then the two seventh rounders, we talked about Jake Witt before. I mean, he's just a fascinating story. I oh, mean, my. Played eight-on-eight eight football in high school, took 2019 off, went to Michigan Tech for basketball, goes uh, – to, to Northern Michigan as a tight end, switches at halftime to right tackle, plays the rest of that year there, and then plays last year as as the left tackle uh, and is now in the National Football League. So huge kid, 6'7", uh, I think 302, but lots of athleticism, obviously. Uh, they like the footwork. They, they think this is a project that they can really – really work with they sent tony sperano jr up there to work him out and he came back and said i i think we got something here. i think we can I think we can make this kid a player and uh you know ballard looked at the the draft board and said there's gonna be a lot of competition for him as an undrafted free agent let's pick him now and you know instead of take our chances that he signed somewhere else and then jalen jones is really interesting too uh first of all he's the second jalen jones who plays corner in the nfl so don't get him confused with the chicago bears cornerback That's a good point uh, <laughs> But number one rated safety in high school coming out when he went to Texas A&M. Had another year of eligibility. Felt like it was the right time to go. Comes from a military family. I asked him about that a little bit on Saturday, and he said, you know, discipline, details, those are things that are really important to him. Uh, but I think he's another kid. Fits the same similar profile. I think he's 6'2". Very similar profile to Rush and, and Brent's. And I think they just want to throw all those guys together and say, hey, let's see what happens. Now, it doesn't matter where you got picked. You're all here. You're all in uniform. Go out there and compete, and the, and the best man will play. To put a bow on, especially your word to summarize traits, you just highlighted basically all 12 picks. So I gave you a lot of credit, by the way. Going one through 12, bang, bang, boom. Good for you, George, with just mm -hmm. outlining all the different reasons why the Colts drafted each player and highlighting, you know, one sort of, physical trait or one sort of aspect they had that separated themselves from everyone else in the draft class. What I like too, George is the fact that the Colts are also recognizing we are not just going to, we don't want to just take guys that will be average starters, right? We don't want to just take someone who is the safe pick and five years from now, yeah, it'll be a solid corner or a solid offensive line. They are going for guys that with their athletic ability, at least have the opportunity, have the potential to be top 10, top five at their position if they pan out. Now, that's a huge if, right? It's a huge risk because with how raw a lot of these guys are and you were banking on physical traits more than production in college or experience, there's a chance that they just can't put it all together and it doesn't work out at the highest level. But if it does, we are talking about George, and it starts with Anthony Richardson. We are talking about players that not only, again, are just going to be solid starters, average guys, contributors, like legitimately tops at their position which is massive like that's what this team needs you don't need mm -hmm. average players you don't need to play it safe it's let's take the risk and if we hit we're gonna hit big and this could be a guy that you know five years from now we could be talking about as a key piece to a playoff run or a key reason why this the colts could beat the chiefs in the playoffs or something like that like i like the fact that they're taking big swings 
And sure, he could blow up with their face and nine out of the 12 guys could be out of the league in five years and just can't put it all together. Absolutely a chance. But I like the fact that they, at least they're recognizing, hey, we're going to take a chance because if it works out, we could be talking about elite players possibly in this draft class all throughout, you know, one through rounds one through seven. You're talking about guys that all have the potential physically to be one of the best of their positions. And I like that. I like that approach because I think that's, that's truly how you are able to chase down the Chiefs the Bengals, the Bills, the Jaguars just in the division. It's not just with average pieces that are, you know, 20th at their position when you're a starter. It's, hey, we're going to take swings. To school. We're going to, you know, get in the, to steal another Jim Mersey phrase, upper quartile of the upper quartile of guys at their position. They're in the upper quartile of the upper quartile <laughs> of athleticism right now. That's for sure. We know that. And the other thing is that every year at the end of rookie minicamp, they take a picture of all the rookies get together and they get uh, Jim Mercy out there. They're going to need to zoom out this year on that one. That's going to be a wide angle to, to fit everybody in. That is going to be a massive, massive rookie minicamp in terms of numbers. That is for sure. So your word to do, uh, summarize the draft class was traits. I got two words. So you're kind of building off, but... One I want to use is value. I think Chris Bauer did a really good job in terms of at least how draft experts rank a lot of these prospects in terms of getting good value for where he picked. Now, one guy we had, the, uh, had on the podcast early in the offseason, Dane Brugler. For me, not just because he came on the pod, George, but for me overall, him and Daniel Jeremiah, I think are the two best draft mm -hmm. analysts in the game. They are detailed. They know every single prospect. They don't you know, succumb to hyperbole if they don't believe it. Like they, I think, really do their homework. And I think when it comes to guys panning out, when it comes to mock drafts and they're just their player analysis, I think they are two of the most accurate and most trusted guys in the industry. So when you look at Dane Brugger and kind of how he looked at this draft class, he had the Colts as his second favorite draft class behind only the Eagles. I thought the Eagles hit a home run in terms of value. When you look at, they got Jalen Carter, a pick number nine. They got his teammate, Nolan Smith, later on in the first round. The Eagles and Harry Rosen, especially has done now two or three years in a row, a tremendous job of getting insane value for their picks. And so if you look at that's the gold standard, if you will, Colts are right there number two. And again, for me, for a guy that is really well trusted in Dane Bluger, that's, I think, a huge uh, boost for Chris Ballard. And not to mention, Bluger had his top 100 players. The Colts grabbed six of them. Six of the top 100 players they were able to draft all throughout the draft um, one through seven, which is the second most of any uh, any team. So you're able to me to add value all throughout, you know, the, the draft starting even with Anthony Richardson there at pick number four. We talked to will the cold trip to number three. Will they, you know, be able to get their guy at number four? Chris Bauer talked with that at the at the uh, scouting combat, I believe. Hey, we think we're going to get the best player at pick number four. You get Anthony Richardson to pick four. You keep all your draft picks. You don't move up. Um, you get a guy that possibly, if he pans out, could be the best quarterback. Uh, in this draft class and one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But it's not just that. It's getting, you know, it's trading back not once, George, but twice. We should have known this doing our, our mm -hmm. Thursday pod and previewing day two when the Colts had picked 35. We should have known right then and there. There's no chance they're picking at, at pick 35. You trade back not once, but twice and get a guy in Juju Brents who is a physical freak who, who's massive. The Colts liked a lot. You're able to, you know, get draft picks and also still take him in the second round, you get a guy like Josh Downs as well, who is a machine. You said it before, 202 receptions in basically two years. That's insane. The guy is a vacuum, which is going to be perfect too for a guy that you're trying to help develop in Anthony Richardson. Throw it anywhere in Josh Downs' vicinity. He's going to come down with it as well. So you're able to get kind of a really solid player there. You're able to get 
Darius Rush later on in day three. All right, I'm going to go for it, George. You did it before. I'm going to try to go for it here. Adewambia? Oh, I already I already butchered it. Adewambia. Adewambia. Adobare. I think uh, yeah. maybe, maybe the last name, but you helped. All right, team effort there. Thank you. You helped me with the first name. I hopefully did not butcher too much of the last name. He did say, like, conversationally, he's okay with Tommy. Okay. But oh, that's good to know. In print, he does not want to see. He wants his full name. And I understand that. You know, he wants to be identified correctly. So um, it'll be interesting because that I think that's going to be, hopefully, it's one that the fans have to say a lot. Hopefully he's yes. having a good career and and everybody has to you know, gets really good at it because they have to say it a lot. I totally agree with that. So hopefully this is the worst we'll pronounce it because we'll have a lot of practice going forward. But look at both of those guys um, getting you know getting them later on in the draft and then when they were projected to go. So you were able to get I think a lot of value rounds one through seven. Even a guy in Jake Witt. See what the hell happens. He's a massive project. But again, that's a, an upside guy where if he could work out, you feel pretty good about his potential physically. So I would say the one word I'd use to describe is just value. I think Chris Bowd all seven rounds did a really good job of not reaching. still getting a lot of talented players, even later on in day three. And I think, like you said, kind of doing a great job of making all 12 picks. So it's not just that he had four picks to work with all 12 picks doing the, the best he possibly could. And not just, you know, saying screw it or reaching or just taking, you know, an eh pick. I thought he did a really good job with all 12 of getting some sort of value uh, all throughout the different rounds. And, and to your point on that, you know, with Brent, you traded down twice. He was a guy I had mocked at 35. I think I told you before the draft, Anthony Richardson at four, Julius Brent's at 35 were my picks. You trade down twice and still get the same guy. That's yeah. value. That's exactly what you're talking about. You add a couple other picks, uh, you know, into that mix. So, you know, I can't remember which of them or what. One of them was a fifth rounder and one of them was Titus Leo. So I can't remember which fifth rounder they added uh, moving down like that. No, one of them was fourth rounder. And one of them was uh, a fifth rounder. Titus Leo was the third, third trade, the one that they did in the fifth round. Um, so, you know, somewhere in there, one of those four fourth rounders, one of those two, or one of those four fifth rounders, and one of those two fourth rounders, you got in addition to Brent's because of those trades. So, you know, I think it's value is a really good word here. I think that's what they were looking for. You know, go out there and and like Ballard says all the time, get as many shots as you can take as many bites at the apple as you can. Uh, that was, this was maybe the most Chris Ballard draft ever. The three trade downs, 12 yeah. overall picks. Uh, and every single one of them is a real toolsy high traits, high athletic, high upside guy. Uh, that's what I would say. It's the most Chris Ballard draft ever. I joked on Twitter uh, on Friday when we started the, the seeing the trade backs happen. I'm like, Chris Ballard's ideal draft is have, 32 fifth round picks. I think if he could trade back enough so he would just basically have every pick in the fifth round and be like the Oklahoma city thunder and have just picks on picks on picks. I think that would be you ask Chris Bowden. What is your, what, is, what would be the quintessential draft? It's every pick in the fifth round and just go, go from there. And he tried, he got five. So he got what a, a, th a fifth of the way there, sixth of the way there. He was, he almost got his wish. He made his best effort at it. There's no question about it. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how this all turns out. I mean, at the end of the day, <clears throat> draft grades are great, you know, and, and, uh, and it's not just Dane Brugler. I mean, there's a lot of people putting the Colts up there. Most of the grades that I saw, they got an A or an A minus from just about everybody. Um, you know, that's, that's terrific. But at the end of the day, it's, it's about what happens on the field, right? I mean, we're going to see starting this weekend already, 
you know, how these guys translate on the field a little bit. Rookie minicamp, you're not going to be able to tell a lot from that, but it's nice to see him get out there, move around, be the first shot to see Anthony Richardson put on a Colts helmet. I know people get excited about that. Um, and you're going to be really, you know, that, I guess to me, the fun part about this is now you, you're a very young football team again. And they weren't old to begin with, but they're right. a very young football team again. Uh, and I think it's it's that part of it is always interesting because you watch these kids kind of grow together. And like you said, with this year, there's maybe not as much, I don't know, I don't, stress isn't the right word, but you're not as concerned going into a game with how, how it's going to ultimately turn out. You're wanting to see very specific things. You know, is the quarterback going to grow? Are these young defenders going to grow? Is Josh Downs going to grow? You know, it, there it's about this this young group coming together. And if they do it, like you said before, if they hit on six or seven of them and they're all like poor guys uh, and they're all growing together, that is how you eventually get up into that Buffalo-Cincinnati-Kansas City stratosphere. That's not guaranteeing that's where they're going. We're just saying they gave themselves a chance. Absolutely. And like you said, to your point, like, when wins and losses in 2023 are not going to define what a successful season is, at least you can feel like no matter what happens this year, it will be some, you know, it will be productive. I think in a way that 2022 is not just because of, you know, we went, we started the year. Okay. This is a playoff team. They should have been the division with Matt Ryan. Obviously that imploded right away. You had Frank Wright getting fired. You had the embarrassment of just Saturday. And at least for me, it was disappointing that it felt at the end, like it was a wasted year, not because I missed the playoffs, but because, you, had, you went through all that turmoil with Jeff Saturday, and then at the end of the day, you still couldn't get the first overall pick and get the, I think, surest thing in Bryce Young. But now when you have, like I said, 12 picks, and you have Anthony Richardson now in your quarterback going forward, what you're watching is not, oh, this is a must-win game in week seven. It's, okay, now we're in week seven. How does Anthony Richardson look compared to week one? And when you're in, you know, we're sitting there in week 17, it's almost like, look, what we do for a living is great, right, George? I'm not, I'm not complaining here and not going to make it seem like, you know, we're martyrs, but I will, I, I'll be straight with you. The last month of the season, I did not look forward to watching these Colts. Like it was just, they gave you no reason to watch watching Sam Ellinger, watching Nick Foles, watching Matt Ryan again. in the, the last half of the season, there was like nothing that we could watch that you could actually get excited for. Because at that point we knew losses were better than wins. And it's not like you can watch a young quarterback grow or a young team develop. It was just kind of a, a wasted. You're in the middle of nowhere, kind of black. Now, at least in week 16, the Colts could be at that point, I don't know, two and 13, two and 14, but you're still excited to watch because, okay, how is Richardson looking? Right. How is Josh Downs now developing to the third wide receiver? Like there are so many storylines with young players to watch that you are still excited no matter how this year goes, even in late December or yeah, late December, because it's still a lot of fascinating storylines to watch instead of just kind of honestly watching the time take down until this, this massacre of a season last year is over. So he's like, even from our perspective, George, doing the podcast is not going to be as depressing after the team blows a 33-0 lead last year compared to, you know, what or it wouldn't be that depressing this year compared to last year. Well, I think, you know, one of the things we'll probably do on the, the podcast almost every week this year is what did we learn about this team today? You know, no matter what the score was, win or lose, what did we learn about this team? Did did the quarterback take steps forward? You know, did these rookies take steps forward? Did some of the guys that they need to bounce back, are they bouncing back? You know, the what's coach, that offensive line? How's look Shane Sykin like? looking? How's how does Shane Sykin look? You know, I think there's there's so much of that going on. And, and to your point about last year, we've heard that from the players again and again. 
And the guys that have talked this spring so far, it they had to get away. They needed a break from football. They, they wanted to go somewhere and, you know, just clear their minds. Uh, I think Michael Pittman Jr., I think, said is the worst, worst year of his life, you know, football-wise. Um, it, it's there was it took a toll on them too. And I think bringing in these rookies helps them too, because either you're excited about their possibilities. I mean, I thought I saw the tweet that, that DeForest Buckner sent out when they drafted Anthony Richardson. I know he's excited. Um, they're either excited about the possibilities, you know, with these kids and that energy that they bring in that just kind of lifts, you know, how it is, even at your own jobs, you know, it, if there's new people that come in and they're excited and all of a sudden, you might get excited too. It's just kind of infectious in that regard. Uh, or you're, you're looking around and okay, I better, you know, put a little more work in right now because someone's pushing me for my job. I mean, those are the two outcomes when you bring in a 12 man rookie class, it either just lifts the, the overall energy on the roster because, Hey, none of these guys had anything to do with last year. They're not, they don't have that baggage. They didn't have to get away from football. They didn't have to go to Hawaii. They didn't have to hmm. cleanse their palate. You know what I mean? Uh, so they're they're coming with a different aspect, and, and it's gonna. I think that helps. Or it's, you know, all right. I better really buckle down because there's somebody on my heels trying to take my job. And I think you're gonna see that throughout the year. You know, I think these rookies, they don't know what they don't know, so they're right. not gonna go into week one with the baggage of a year ago and be worried about. Oh man. That loss in Houston or that tie in Houston that felt like a loss. Can't repeat that again. They're not going to be thinking that way. They're going to be thinking this is the first game in the NFL. This is a huge day. Let's go get it. It could be good for the roster in general, I guess, a long way of saying. Absolutely. I think, like I said, the, the energy will just naturally be different, especially with a huge rookie class, because just you won't, like you said, have that just weight hanging over your head of last year and it's new head coach. So again, it's not like, the, mm-hmm. the head coaches there who experience it's a new head coach at Shane Psychic. So it does feel like even though there's still a, a good amount of the roster here from last year, it does feel like almost a, a brand new clean slate where everyone's going to 2023 and just forget about forgetting, just burying 2022 and almost act like it just didn't happen, which is going to be a breath of fresh air because like I said, the energy should be better. And if the team's energy is there, I just feel like it, it makes you want to watch more. You're more invested, mm-hmm. even if the record is now pretty. Like the energy was terrible. At the end of the year last year, George, and again, it made watching hard. It really, it, it, it was really hard to get excited to watch this team. Do we need to bring up the Giants game again? Oh, in, in the quarterback incident. I mean, you talk about the energy that that right That's, there was the that was the whole last month of the season for me. So that is the perfect way to encapsulate that. Your arms are right. No one cared. They mailed it in. And this we're trying to get away from, right? I mean that that's what you're trying to turn your back on. Uh, and you're right. The the record might not be great. I think if they won seven or eight games, that's going to be a huge, huge success. Um, so go out there and make your mistakes and let it all out. You know, go out there and and learn and do, you know, whatever it is that, that you're capable of doing. That's how you grow. I mean, I think that's what this league's all about. Go back to Cincinnati. I think they're the blueprint here. They were what four and thirteen? I want to say I they might have been four and twelve. I don't think it was seventeen game season yet. Uh, in Joe Burrow's rookie year, he got hurt, which was not good. You want to avoid that. Yes, you don't want to end up not not no torn ACL. Year. Um, but they go out and they draft Jamar Chase the next year, and boom, they're in Super Bowl. And they come out the year after that, 
and their one poor decision by a defensive lineman away from maybe going back to the Super Bowl. So that's the ideal. That's what you're trying to do right now. That's why when we say 2023 doesn't matter, we mean that in the Cincinnati sense. No one cares they were 4-13 and in Joe Burrow's rookie year right now. They got what they needed out of that. Guys made their mistakes. They got better. They filled holes in the draft. And now I think pretty much maybe Kansas City's Philadelphia wouldn't trade places with them. Just about everybody else in the league would trade places with the Bengals right now. Absolutely. Like I said, minus a toward ACL. Please, you do not need that from Anthony Richardson no, this no. season. That's the only way this season kind of goes down the toilet and then like the energy is zapped where if he's just not on the field because of an injury and no disrespect to Gardner Minshew, we're watching Gardner Minshew for the last 12 games of the season. Not exactly going to be, you know, one that uh, the energy will be high and we're, we're talking about a year that is, you know, developmental in the right way. I do have one other word I want to use to describe the draft class, George. But before that, and you are very excited, it's a 12-man draft class. So the fact that we're about to right now recognize an undrafted free agent in general is a rarity immediately after the draft is over. But George, especially at a 12-man draft class, I think there's no way we'll even have any time to fit in an undrafted free agent. I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but at least the way we were talking before the show, this guy sounds like maybe one of, if not maybe the guy, your favorite guy right now in this draft class. So the floor is yours. We're talking about value especially. Maybe the Colts, in terms of where he was taken, undrafted free agent. This may be the best value pick the Colts have in the entire draft. You're excited, George, so I don't want to steal your thunder. Take it away. <laughs> no, uh, you know, like you said, 12-man draft class, you don't think you've got much outside of that. Um, but they, they went out and they signed Emil Echior, a right guard from Alabama. You're talking about a guy who was a three-year starter at Alabama, uh, is an Indianapolis native, so is a hometown kid, and is a position of need. I mean, I know I got more on Twitter during the draft than anything else of when are they going to take a guard? You know, we just heard that again and again. Well, the answer is after the draft is when they're going to take a guard. Uh, but this is uh, every year an undrafted guy makes the roster. I mean, that, I think out of the last 23 years, I think there was one year it didn't happen. So it's it's a tradition around here. It's something that we in the media room will usually try to make a pick or usually around this time of year on who's the undrafted guy. Uh, who's going to make it this year? Mine is uh, is a is a lock right now. It, it's lock a it cinch. Up. Uh, it, it is Emil Echior. I am shocked to be honest that that he didn't get drafted. Now we were talking before we went on. There, there's probably some reasons for that. He's a little bit smaller height wise than than some teams are going to want. Guard is not six exactly two? a premium position. It's not right, something that you're going to be six two. Any six two. Um, which is it could be a little bit smaller than some teams. Some teams want guys, you know, more in that six four, six five, six six range on the line. Um, so that could play a role into it. Uh, the the fact that guard is not exactly you know a premium position could have played a role into it. And then as you mentioned, he's twenty three, he's a redshirt senior. So um, so there's some teams that that are are backing off on that. But you look all SEC as a senior. First team, all SEC, right guard, three-year starter. Um, from what I had read about him, really just a relentless, tough guy. Fits that Chris Ballard mold in the trenches. Um, this one's this fascinating. As an undrafted guy, it's fascinating. I don't know if I'll say he's my favorite player in the draft class, uh, but he's by far my, my most interesting player uh, in this undrafted group. I mean, that's just... You look at that, a player like that, and you wonder really hard 
why he didn't go with one of the Colts 12 picks or to any of the other 31 teams. Right. I mean, it, it, that part is just fascinating because you look at a guy, the Colts took a chance on Jake Witt at a Northern Michigan who played offensive tackle for a season and a half. And the guy at Alabama who started three years, who, like you mentioned, was first team all SEC his senior year. I think he missed one game in three years. So he's super durable. Alabama's we know is always one of the marquee programs. Everyone's watching Alabama every Saturday. So even though you're a guard, it's like you're invisible and still all everything kind of on paper looks like, Oh, that's, that's a guy who's going to be picked in the, you know, maybe late day two pick early day three pick. And here you are talking about the entire draft goes through the Colts sign him and forget about just making the roster George, like on paper, at least he's a legitimate chance to compete for a starting job. And could week one be the Colts right guard. So you could go from undrafted to starting right guard in a span, just like that. Like realistically, yeah, I mean, that's one of those things where you don't put too much on a guy's plate before he even goes through a rookie minicamp. But, you know, that was a position a lot of people were talking about with good reason. And we don't know. They could still sign some free agents. I would expect that they will, honestly. I mean, there's some guys out there, um, and he could get pushed even further down the depth chart. But that's just, to me, it's fascinating. See a guy like that, and then, you know, I saw fifth-round value on him. I, I think uh, Lance Zerline had a fifth round value on him from NFL.com. You said Dane Brugler had a fourth round value fourth. on him. Then this is a guy that was supposed to go somewhere somewhat early on day three. Um, it's just really interesting. You know, it'd be fun to talk to him this weekend and find out his story. Uh, and on top of all that, the second hometown kid after Juju Brents in this draft. Uh, you know, it's always interesting too. When, when those guys are here, they grew up Colts fans. I don't know for sure he did. That's fun sometimes, too. You talk to these guys and, and they're Indianapolis kids, and then you find out, you know, like David Bell, when when he was here, uh, he didn't play for the Colts, obviously, but he came for, for Pro Day. Uh, his grandpa was a Giants fan, and, you know, he was a Giants fan. So even though he went to Warren Central and grew up here in Indy, but Juju Brents has made no bones about the fact he grew up a Colts fan. <laughs> Bob Sanders, he has Bob Sanders jersey. Uh, we'll find out soon about Ekior as well, but I, I, it's just it's fascinating. I always like it. From my standpoint, that's almost more important than wins and losses. If there's good stories, that's what I'm here for. That, that That's literally my job. I trust you this year. Storylines are going to win out for sure. And speaking of value, George, there might not be a better value right now in the draft than undrafted free agent to starter just like that. It's it's crazy, but this is also also funny. In a in a draft that we saw the Colts like 12 selections, which is insanely high, insanely rare to see a draft class that big. Maybe the guy who steals the show, especially when rookie minicamps start this week, one of the most intriguing guys is got to be the undrafted lineman out of course of Alabama. Uh, it's it's funny. It does funny. It is funny how sometimes the NFL uh, does work. Um, the last word I want to use here, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this one as well, to, to kind of summarize the Colts draft class to put a wrap on this post-draft podcast, is fit. I think one word to describe this draft class is fit, because I think a lot of the picks Chris Ballard made I think does emphasize what the Colts trying to do on both sides of the ball. Obviously Shane second had success in developing multiple styles of quarterback. So it's not like Anthony Richardson was the model that Shane second wants, but he obviously preferred to work with a quarterback of uh, Anthony Richardson's stature and size and um, skill level. And so that fits, especially when you look at his last stop in Philly with Jalen hurts, he does fit that model and, and a lot of success that hurts and second had together. He fits there. You talk about, you know, having Paris Campbell leave and go to the Giants. Well, you, how do you kind of find your slot guy? It's Josh Downs, who the guy has been an absolute vacuum and definitely does bring a, a deep thread and nose for the end zone that the Colts sorely were missing. 
Look at Juju Brenta and Darius Rush. Two long, big, physically imposing corners that kind of fit what the Gus Bradley defensive scheme um, wants to do. And especially a corner, George, we were talking about this really all throughout the offseason, especially when Gilmore was traded. The Colts don't have a lot of guys that fit the, you know, fit defensively in the secondary, at least, what Gus Bradley wants to do. And we talked about Kenny Moore's disgruntlement last year and kind of him not really fitting the mold uh, for what Bradley wants to do and not fitting kind of that, you know, system. And now you get two long, rangy, physical corners that do fit what Gus Bradley is looking to do. I think when it comes to fit and when you look at schema what the Colts trying to accomplish, I could argue easily all these 12 draft picks, even some of the undrafted guys as well, kind of fits what the Colts are trying to accomplish on both offense and defense. No, absolutely. I think that's a really good word in here. Um, you know, the owner has made it clear what he wanted at quarterback. And, you know, when you hear him talk about Jalen Hurts, he said it twice now, at least this offseason, that they were playing with 12 guys and four downs on that, that game-winning drive because their quarterback was such a dual-threat guy. And and Hurts is honestly a big part of the reason why I think that you could see uh, Richardson out there from day one. Because, again, going back to that Super Bowl and, and the things that you really remember, you know, there's a lot of things that go in that offense. The things you really remember are Hurts running over people and Hurts throwing deep, you know, taking those deep shots. And those are two things that I think we can feel reasonably comfortable Anthony Richardson is going to be able to do on day one. So if he can do those two big things, let him figure the rest out on the field. It's a good point. And it talks about, even to your point, and even the Colts talk about it on uh, the first side of the draft at night number one about playing him earlier and from right away. Like I said, you figure it out on the field. That's how you do get better. If he can, you know, if he's able to process and get a good understanding of the playbook, then let him figure out his short-term accuracy problems. Let him figure out his footwork and mechanics as you're playing instead of, like I said, in practice, kind of keeping him on ice for three quarters of the season, maybe the entire season, kind of letting it, just letting it rip in the year where we've talked about now, you know, food times on this pod where the wins and losses don't matter. And so that's where you make 2023 valuable is at least going, you go get answers, you figure out weaknesses, strengths, what Richardson does well, what the offense does well, what the defense does well with a lot of these young guys now. And you make sure that going into 2024 and beyond, either you get the right pieces to make this offense or defense better, or you continue to develop the young guys and put them in positions where they could continually improve uh, game over game and uh, and year over year. Man, George. All right. So 12 picks made a, a very, very busy three days here. You were at mm-hmm. Colts headquarters. How, how we feel and how we do it now that the draft is finally rearview me or be able to catch you, be able to take a deep breath at least with all the busyness that we've seen the last few days. Yeah. Um, I tell you, it's, especially Saturday night, you could tell Ballard was tired too. He came in and he told us, he goes, I know you guys are tired. I'm tired. Let's, you know, basically let's get this over with quick. And, and yeah. we did. <laughs> Cause everybody was ready to, to go on home. Um, I, I think it, it's there. There's a new horizon here. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. You know, this team needed a fresh start. We talked about that really literally, from the moment the season ended that that post game pod, you can go back and look it up when they lost to Houston. We were talking about there were things they needed a fresh start. They needed to just toss everything out the window and, and start over. I had my doubts for the offseason. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I didn't. Um, you know, I think a lot of that time I wondered why there wasn't more churn on the roster. But I think we found out during the draft because they were going to draft 12 kids. And that's where the new blood was going to come. You didn't have to go through and and churn in a, a bunch of new free agents because you're going to bring in 12 rookies. Uh, and now, th- to me, it's just, I think it's fun. 
as an outside observer to watch how that turns out. I mean, when you got a young team, they didn't have a huge rookie class last year, but a lot of those guys are still expected to contribute this year, whether it's Jelani Woods, uh, Drew Ogletree kind of got lost yeah. you know, in the mix because of the injury last year. He's going to be interesting to watch coming back. Alec Pierce, you know, how does he grow with, with this new quarterback? Um, uh, Nick Cross, can he get back on track? You know, such a great preseason and then really just didn't come together for him during the year. There's a lot of young guys on this roster still growing. And now you're going to throw in 12 rookies with that. Um, to me, that's just, it's going to be really fun to watch because it really is. They're not using the word rebuilding. So a lot about refreshing, you know, like you, you're right. You, you kind of have hit that 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 little arrow on your browser and you're going to reload the entire page here. I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that plays out, you know, whether it's good, bad, ugly. We'll see. Um, but they pick guys, you know, as we talked about throughout this, this, this is a long podcast, but there's 12 guys. So it's yeah. kinda, we got a lot to cover. Um, you know, as we talked throughout that, they pick guys for reasons. And I think it's easy to kind of identify what those reasons are for, for each draft pick here. Doesn't mean they're going to work out, but I don't think it's hard at all to understand the direction, what they're trying to do here. Uh, and it's going to be really fun to watch how that all plays out on the field. And that's why I think the perfect point to wrap up, George, kind of looking ahead, like how do, you know, how should we all kind of feel as Colts fans looking ahead after this draft and what it means for the future? I think right now the Colts are in a good spot. And I think like I'll talk to myself here. I feel like, you know, good as a fan, coming out of this draft that, okay, th things will be different going forward. We did a pod, I think it was maybe two weeks ago. Do you trust Chris Ballard to make the right decision at quarterback? My answer is no. I think your answer is no as well. Like there was not, and you mentioned before, your doubts and skepticism all offseason. There was a lot of reason to doubt Chris Ballard, especially when the Panthers jumped the Colts for the number one overall pick. It took Bryce Young that this is, you know, why should we believe that things are going to be different moving forward when this was such a pivotal offseason? And... It felt like Chris Bauer was still kind of going with his old playbook and not really changing anything. So again, it, it almost felt in a way the definition of insanity. And I think now after these last three days of the draft, I do feel better about the future of the Colts because I like, to your point, it felt like that of purpose for all 12 picks. And it felt like that purpose was, again, not just to fill needs. It was, hey, we're going to try to get guys that not only can be contributors, but be high-end talent in a few years and develop into maybe one of the best players at their position. It felt like that was kind of the direction the Colts took in all 12 picks and any single position they tried to address. It was with that thought of, hey, not only do we want to get a guy that could be a starter, we want to get a guy who we think can mold into one of the best at their position. And again, that's how you close the gap in a loaded AFC. It's not just about the quarterback, right? We obviously spend this offseason so much about the quarterback and the importance of getting the draft pick right. And obviously that's where it starts. The Colts' success Going forward, we'll start with Anthony Richardson and his, uh, his ability to either blossom or if he doesn't, we know the Colts will be near the top five again. But to to beat the Chiefs consistently, to beat the Bengals and the Jaguars, even just let's just start in the division, George. Beat the Jaguars and win this division on a consistent basis going forward. It's not just going to be about the quarterback. It's going to be about the entire roster. And we saw this team have deficiencies throughout the entire roster last year, especially. And now you are at least taking a chance on guys that, developmentally could all throughout the roster develop and, and be some of the best players at their position throughout the entire league. That is how you consistently make the playoffs. That is how you consistently beat the, the better teams and how you get into the mix year in and year out to try to win a Super Bowl three, four, five years from now. So I like that approach. And with all the skepticism, with all the doubts that I think 
correctly were there about Chris Ballard this offseason. Again, like your point, now this is just kind of the fun part. And now, you know, we'll have to see how they develop and how they progress over time. But at least right here, sitting here, as we are just, you know, a few days removed from the draft, I think it's, you can be optimistic as a Colts are moving forward about what we saw these last uh, few days in the draft. I think the most important thing is they took big swings. I mean, right. whether it's and 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 the the draft was bookended by big swings. You went and you got the highest ceiling guy out there, and Anthony Richardson, uh, which I think one of the things about that too, you know, the athleticism was big with him. That's obvious. But I think one thing we learned from talking to so many people, you know, over this weekend, including Richardson himself, they also really feel good about the makeup of the player here, his intelligence, his character, his work ethic. You know, those are all things that they feel really good about. And if they're right on all of that, if if all those are are pluses, and then you throw in his physical ability and his freakish athleticism, he very well will be worth the number four pick uh, in this draft and maybe more. So I think that's – I just want to throw that out there because I think people talk about the athleticism all the time. They A lot of the reason that they made this pick is the person, who he is off the field as well. They feel really, really comfortable. Uh, that they've got the right guy in terms of, you know, the whole package here. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, that that that's how this draft's going to be determined. It's not about one guy, and yet it is <laughs> in terms of, the, at the end of the day, when we look back in five years, more than anything else, Anthony Richardson's going to determine how we view this draft. And then the last pick in the draft for them, Jake Witt, again, huge swing. Taking a guy with no experience, um, but tremendous upside, I think it's to me it wasn't intentional, but it's kind of nice to see the way that played out. You book into this draft with giant swings, and really the ten picks in between them, they weren't as big as swings, but that was the overall theme here. They're they're swinging for the fences, and now we'll just see how that at bat turns out. And you're trusting your coaches that you hired mm-hmm. to get the most out of which again is a, a great I think you know confidence boost for Shane Syke and everyone else that hey we're taking this raw talent. We believe in you that you're going to turn him into a very useful player. And again, you're betting on the guys you hire. And I also think that's a good message you send as well to the rest of the team. And especially the coaching staff as well. So you mentioned it, George, before. You will be a rookie minicamp this week. So very excited for that. We'll finally see Anthony Richardson and this massive draft class here in a Colts uniform for the first time. So that's why it's more important than ever. Down- or download and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And on YouTube, subscribe Blue Horseshoe Pod. Not only will you get every single episode uh, of the podcast uploaded there as well, but you also get George. Maybe we'll get, try to get some video and some sound as well from Rookie Minicamp and give you kind of the first look at what number five looks like uh, on Anthony Richardson. Give you a first look at how some of the rookies look in person as well. So it's going to be a very exciting time here, George. And, and just like the NFL season keeps on moving, there is no downtime whatsoever. You are drafted and boom, let's get right on the field. I apologize early on for the video. I will get some, but I, everything I shoot, I am the worst with my phone. Everything <laughs> I shoot, it looks like I was on the moon shooting it. So just be ready for a tiny little Anthony Richardson, which is going to be hard to do to make him look small, but I will I will do it. I thought you did a great job at the combine getting some good real estate for the quarterback videos when they were kind of talking at the podium and giving their um, answering questions. I thought you did a great job of boxing out the, the media frenzy that was there, doing, getting a good spot. So I trust, and I think the listeners can trust as well, that you'll do a great job getting a great spot and get some great videos uh, as well. So make sure you stay tuned for that. We will be back later this week with a little early breakdown of kind of what we see 
pro rookie minicamp and get you kind of, you know, maybe start to set some expectations for this rookie class as well. So again, make sure you download and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, Blue Horseshoe Pod. And if you want to send us a question, but maybe it's or a comment even about your favorite player in the draft, uh, a big question about one of the players in the draft, bluehorseshoepod at gmail.com. Bluehorseshoepod at gmail.com is where you can reach us. We'll answer your questions right here on the podcast. So George, it's been a crazy few days. Get some sleep. Listeners, you as well, because everyone I'm sure was wall-to-wall draft cover. So relax, rest. Let's get ready for rookie minicamp to start. And we'll talk to you soon right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.